Great. Well, um, why don't we just pray before we enter into God's word and just thank him and, yeah, praise him for that worship time. And, yeah, Father, we thank you that you were indeed born into this world, Lord God, and we're about to come upon that season. Uh, and you came and you showed us what God was like uh, and you saved us. And we thank you for all that you've done. We pray you'd bless the word to us this morning and our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. Thank you, worship band. It was really good for your dedication and for your expertise. Why am I opening Kindle? I'm not going to read a book this morning. I should probably open the preach. So yes, as uh, Phil said, I've been away for quite a while now, so I feel a little bit like a guest preacher this morning. It's been about a month since I've set foot in this building. So I was about three weeks in Australia and New Zealand, um, and we were celebrating. So the reason we were out there this time is that we were celebrating the 10-year anniversary of the work that we pioneered in New Zealand and just uh, got together with all the people and just saw what God has done over 10 years and just a real blessing uh, to see God moving in other nations and all that he's done. So that's really cool. And then came back and got into work. And then about Wednesday <clears throat> this week, finally just gave up and got a cold. So you'll have to forgive me this morning if I've got a little bit of a, a voice that doesn't quite project the way that I want it to or if I have a little bit of a coughing fit. So we'll try and get through it. But what I want to kind of preach on this morning, so uh, Pastor Phil gave me the choice of um, Ephesians uh, where we talk about wives submitting to their husbands or a topic of my own choice. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> This morning, what I want to do is I want to um, start, I want to, so I'm going to do something. I don't know about you, if you think Christmas starts a bit too early, you're probably not going to be a fan of this, because I want to do something a little bit Christmas themed. I want to kick off something slightly pre-Advent, but I hope it will make sense. Uh, and what I want to talk about this morning is I want to talk about the glory of God. And that word glory and what it means. Um, and I have to say, it's one of those weird Christian words, isn't it? When you really think about it and you go, glory, it's... That's fab. Oh, I'll just wait for you to get back now. Uh, it is one of those weird Christian words. It's up there with hallelujah. I didn't even say that right. Hallelu is it hallelujah? If you say it. hallelujah, praise be. It's another one of those weird Christianisms, isn't it? And, and quiche, that's probably the other weird Christian one that we just, you know, we have these words, don't we? And, and glory, glory, brother. Shall I sw switch mics? There we go. Just put this one down. Thank you, Nathan. And guys, for sorting that out. Cool. So it's just one of those words that's just very Christian. Uh, and, and do we consider it very often? I think, what does it really mean? We talk about God's glory. We say, to God be the glory. We say, it, does it glorify God? But I want to kind of say it's important for us this morning. And as I go through this, I'm not going to preach from a particular passage. I'm going to use lots of different Bible verses. I'll make sure you uh, know what the references are. And I want to say it's important to us as followers of Christ, as people here this morning. Why is it important that we know what glory means? And I'm sure lots of you do know. Well, first of all, let me read Isaiah 43 verse 7. And it says this, and it's God speaking. He says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. So the first thing we're told is that we were actually made for God's glory. 
So it's why, it's why you're here. It's why you were made. It's why you were called. So it's your purpose in life. And by the way, if you've ever wondered, why am I here? And if this morning finds you and you've got a bit of maybe low self-esteem and you think you're not worth that much, can I just impart to you and say, well, actually, you were created for God's glory. And let that be a little bit of an answer to you this morning as you discover a little bit more about what that means. What worth. So you were formed and made for it. You were called by his name for his glory. And then in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31, it famously says, whatever you eat or drink, so the very basic level, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So you were called for it. You were made for God's glory. You were called to him for his glory. And now whatever you do, do it all for his glory. Whatever that would be. And then come on for the oldies amongst us, including me. <coughs> the Westminster Shorter Catechism. I've never read the longer one. What is the chief end of man? No. Well, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. It's the chief end. So there's something there that says that if you don't quite know what glory is, what the glory of God is, then you need to be a little bit worried because that's why you were created and it's what you're meant to do with your life. So you should have a pretty good grasp of it as a follower of Christ to go, well, I actually know what the glory of God is and I know what I'm called to do. And by the way, if you do know what the glory of God is and you, you have that sound grasp, what an amazing opportunity to be, to be reminded again of why we're here and what we're called to do in everything, which is to glorify our God. So I want to do four things this morning. I want to help you understand what the glory of God is. What is the glory of God? And I want to talk about why Christmas, this is the Christmas link, is especially linked to God's glory. And I want to talk about glorifying God, how we therefore glorify him back. And then finally, I want to talk about how we can glorify God, particularly at and through Christmas, which is why this is good before we get to Christmas, so that we know what we're doing when it does arrive. So let's kick into it then. What is the glory of God? And I think the first thing I have to say is I'm probably going to do it in injustice because it's talking about who God is. So to actually get there, it's not going to be the easiest thing to do. So let's have a, a stab at what that actually is. But it's worth grappling with because the more we talk about it, the closer we'll get to what it is. And like I say, I'm going to do it in injustice. So I've, I've read around a bit, got a few quotes from people and different preachers and famous people. So the first one was this, and I was looking at John Piper. Um, and he says that it's really hard to define what God's glory is um, and defining it. And what he likens it to is he, he likens it to the difference between trying to describe what a basketball is and trying to describe the word beauty. Okay, so let's explain that. So if you're going to explain to someone and someone's never seen a basketball before, well, it's pretty easy, isn't it? Because you just go, well, it's round, it can be made of rubber or it might be leather, it bounces and you chuck it and it spins and it's used in a game. So you can describe that. We've got references. We've got forms of reference to go, that's what it is. But if you're going to describe to someone who doesn't know what beauty is, it's kind of hard, isn't it? Just to go, well, it's a concept. So how do you describe what beauty is? If I was to do it, I'd probably have to go, well, just look at me. 
people often say, Simon, you're just a beautifully handsome man. It's usually me in the mirror in the morning. Anyway, I, I think every preach I get in, I try and get one comment in about how handsome I am. <coughs> we'll see how far I get over the coming year. Um, so it's just hard to describe it, isn't it? And it's something you've got to, it's easier to point and say, well, that's what it looks like. It's easier to do a show and say, well, that's what beauty looks like. That's, that's it. And this is what, what he's saying about God's glory. It's, it's really hard to describe, but it's really who God is. That's what he's getting at. And he's saying to, to see God's glory, it's got to be kind of shown and seen. Charles Price once said that the glory of God, and we're going to get closer to what it is now, is his character. And what does character mean? Well, it's the mental and moral qualities distinct to an individual. It's what makes a person individual, who they are, their makeup, it's their character. And then the, the preacher, the famous preacher from Westminster Chapel, I think, R.T. Kendall, he similarly says it is this. It is the sum total of all of God's attributes. So what he's saying is that, you know, when you ask someone, well, what is God like? Well, what would you answer? If someone said to you, what's God like? Who is he? What's he like? Well, some people might say, well, he's holy. Another person might say, God is love. Another person might say, God is justice. Another uh, person might say, well, God is mercy. He's merciful. So there's lots of different ways we could describe God. But R.T. Kendall says this. One phrase that says it all is that God is glory. It sums up everything about who God is. It's the characteristics. It's who he is. Think about every single attribute of God. His omnipotence, his all power, all knowing, he's everywhere. He's holy. He is a God of wrath. He's angry at sin. But he's also a God of mercy. He is slow to anger. He's a God of love, wisdom, justice, compassion, peace, and joy. All of those are his attributes. They're his characteristics. They're who God is. And they are summed up as God's glory. So if someone was to say, what does God look like? What is his character? What is God like? It's who God is. So that's what God's glory is. That's what I'm putting before you this morning. That the glory of God is his character. It's his attributes. It's who he's like. And when it's that, that's what it is. But God just doesn't exist. God also exists that he wants to demonstrate his glory. So if anyone has ever said to you, or you've heard the phrase, God wants demonstrates his glory. What he's saying is that he wants to demonstrate what he's like. He wants to demonstrate all of who he is. So how does God demonstrate his glory? Well, how does he do it? In Psalm 19 verse 1 it says this. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. So there, probably David is telling us that God's glory or his character, you can see something about who God is and what he's like by looking at the heavens. As you look at the heavens on a night, as you see the stars in the sky and the vastness of it, what does it tell you about God? Well, it tells to me that he's magnificent, that he's unending, that he shines like the brightness of the stars, that he's vast. That's what that tells me about God. Isaiah verse, uh, 6 verse 3 says, 
And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So what he's saying there is that God's glory, who God is, God's attributes, his character can be seen in the whole earth. So as you look around the world, what does the world tell you about God in nature? Well, again, it tells you that he's vast, that he's amazing, he's beautiful. You look at the mountains, you look at the rivers, you look at the animals that he's created. It tells you how much imagination he's got, his creative ability. It tells you about who God is. And then in Romans 1 verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world... And if this doesn't convince you that I'm on the right path around what God's glory is and what it means to demonstrate it, it says God's invisible qualities, so who he is but we can't actually see it, which is his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, been understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And Paul is again saying that people can see who God is just by looking at, at the creation of the world around us. So God's glory can be seen in the world around us. It can be seen in the vastness of the skies and the stars and it can be seen in the earth that we live on and the beauty of it. But God also demonstrated his glory. One of the biggest ways he did it was the creation of Israel. It was a nation that was called by him to live under his guidance and his rule. And what he wanted to do was demonstrate what he was like, to demonstrate his glory. He was saying that Israel would be a nation to demonstrate the character of God, who God was like. And it was why it was a nation that was blessed by amazing rules and laws. It was an, a nation that was full at its best of goodness, holiness, love and mercy. It was blessed by God. It was provided for by God. It was protected by God. It was a nation called out to demonstrate the glory of God here on earth. And God was demonstrating his character and who he is because it's what God does. He doesn't just exist. He exists to demonstrate his glory. So what's all this got to do with Christmas? Because I want to tell you that for God, those things are not enough to demonstrate his glory. Those things are not enough to tell us about who he really is and what he's really like. Because God wanted to do even more. For God, that was too far away. And he wanted more people than just the nation of Israel to see his glory and to be part of his glory. And he wanted to tell you and I in the best way possible what he was like. So what did he do? Well, simply put, he wanted to come down to earth in a form that you and I, as simple people, could understand. You see, he doesn't want us to work out what he's like, what his character is like, what his attributes are like. He wanted to show you simply and lovingly the glory of God. And if you want to know the true meaning of Christmas you've just found out. That's what it is. God wanted to demonstrate his glory, wanted to show you his character, what God was really like. And again, if you think I'm off on one and you're not quite sure, well, let's read John 1 verse 14. And it says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And then I put in parentheses, and because of this, we have seen his glory 
the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. It's because Jesus was born that we get to see what God is really like. You see, God exists. God is real and he's got characteristics and attributes and it's the glory of God. And by the way, it's one of the most amazing things you've ever seen in your life. And God wants to demonstrate. He wants to show his glory to the world. He wants to tell people what he's like and he does it through creation. He did it through his nation Israel. But he said, it's not enough. I want to show you as human beings who I am. So he came down to earth as a simple baby and said, I'm going to show you what God is like. And Jesus himself says in John 14, verse 9, and Jesus says, don't you know me, Philip? He's talking to one of his disciples. Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And what he's saying is, if you want to know what God in heaven looks like, the almighty God who created the world, who is all-powerful, all-amazing, if you want to know what he looks like, look at the sun. If you want to know the characteristics of God and who God is like, and people out there are searching this in, what is God? Who is God? What is he like? And the answer comes back, look at Jesus and you'll know what God is like. You'll see the glory of God. And it's why when Jesus was born, in Luke 2 verse 8, it says, and and it's the famous one, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And what it's saying is that in that time, there was a special appearing of God and who he was and what he was like. And then in 13 and 14, it says, Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. (coughs) I don't know what you think about Christmas carols, and maybe you groan a bit at them, but maybe it can give you a new meaning if you sing that famous carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, this Christmas, where it says, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King. With the angelic host proclaim, Glory to the Newborn King. So Jesus came to earth to show us what God was like, to show us the glory of God. So if you want to know what God is like, if you want to know the characteristics of God, who is God, what is he like? Well, we have to look at Jesus. So what did the life of Jesus, what do the Gospels tell us about who God is? Well, again, I can't do it justice, but let me just tell you a few things that I've picked up from the Gospels. And I think that carol starts it off a little bit on it as well, where it says, peace on earth and mercy mild. So this is who Jesus tells us that God is. He tells us that he is peace. Isaiah 9 verse 6 says he is the prince of peace. This is who God is. God is a God of peace. He is a God who exists to bring peace between him and us and peace between us and one another. Our God is a God of peace. Our God is a God of mercy. This is another characteristic of God. He is a God of mercy mild. That's, it's a weird thing it says in the hymn, isn't it? Um, mercy mild. What does it mean? Well, it's the opposite of angry wrath, isn't it? 
Our God is a God of mercy mild. If you want to know what God is like, yes, he is angry at sin, he's angry at wrongdoing, but he's far quicker to mercy and he is slow to anger. If you want to know a little bit what God is like, and that is why he sent Jesus. What else is God like if you look at the life of Jesus? Well, he's full of grace. He is generous and he gives undeserved favor and help to his followers. He is full of truth. That is what God is if we look at the life of Jesus. He is the way, the truth and the life and there are no lies in him. So if you want truth in your life, then look to God because Jesus showed you that God is truth. He is humble. If you want to know what God is like, he's humble. He was willing to come to earth without coming with all the angelic hosts. He was willing to come. He was willing to be born in a stable without a title and without honor. And he washed the feet of those who followed him. So if you want to know what the glory of God is like, well, let me tell you, the attributes and the characteristics of God is that he is a humble God. He is a savior. He was born to die for our sin. Everyone is born knowing they'll die, but Jesus was the only person ever intentionally born in order to die. He is a saviour. He is mighty to save. If you want to know what God is like, if you want to know the characteristics of God, well, there is a characteristic right there as you look at Jesus. He's mighty to save. He was holy. 1 John 3 verse 5. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins and in him, is no sin. Our God is holy. He is love and loving. He was kind to little children. He fed the hungry. He provided for those in need. He's a miracle working God. He is a healer. He healed the sick. He is a teacher. He is wisdom for your life. He loved women and men. He stands up on behalf of the weak and he stood up to bullies and he was funny. If you actually know some of the scripture, you find that some of the, prover- uh, the parables he taught actually contain jokes that would have been known at the time. And let me tell you this about God as well. He is a bit bonkers too. He's a bit weird. Let me tell you, if you look at some of the miracles he did and some of the things he did and, and some of who God is, it tells you that our God is not a normal being to come in contact with. No one contain, can contain him. He's called the Lion of Judah. He's untamable. And it tells you this about God. Do not go near the living God and expect to not be changed. Do not go near the living God and think that you will go away from an encounter with him unchanged. That's what you see from the life of Jesus Christ because he saw many, many people go and see him. People, if you look at Jesus, you will see the glory of God displayed in a way that we can understand it. That is the glory of God. And I want you to consider this morning that our God is God whether we like him or not. And he could have been anything. Our God could have been any kind of God. He could have been a a God of terror. He could have been an outrageous God. He could have been a demanding God. He could have been a God that was far away. But when you see who God turned out to be, that's who God is. I want you to consider who God really is this morning. He could have turned upon earth and it could have been anything. And that's who God turns out to be. Loving, kind, feeder of the hungry, miracle working God, healer, teacher, wisdom. Of all the things. By the way, he could never have been anything but that because it's just who God is. 
But praise God that when the glory of God was revealed, it was revealed and it was Jesus Christ and that is who he is. But here's the most glorious thing about it all. You don't need to read about it to learn about it. I know all of that stuff because I've experienced it myself. I've experienced the character of God. I've experienced the glory of God. I've experienced personally his mercy, his provision, his kindness, and I can testify. And it's the ringing of the famous hymn, isn't it? You ask me how he, I know he lives. He lives within my heart. And that's how I know about the glory of God as well. And I can testify because it's not just that I can read about it. It's not just that it's demonstrated in creation. It's not just that the glory of God was demonstrated through Israel or demonstrated throughout the life of Jesus on earth. I too have experienced the glory of God and who he is personally in my life. So I hope it sums up a little bit of what the glory of God is that our God lives to demonstrate his glory, to demonstrate who he is. So what's our response to all of this? Well, our response to all of this is that we are to glorify him. So we're to reflect that back and to glorify God to other people. We're to display his glory. We're to do everything for the glory of God. So what does that mean and how do we do it? Well, I've got four ways that I think that we can glorify God and reflect who God is back. And the first is this, that we're meant to display his glory because he lives in us. So he's just meant to live in us. So he's meant to display his character in us. And again, if you've got any questions <clears throat> about whether the glory of God really is his character and, and that's who he is and it's his attributes, it's going to unlock a lot of other scriptures for you. And first of all, the thing we've got to remember, if we're going to display God's character and his attributes and display God's glory, we're meant to be displayers of God's character to the whole earth and the people around us. Well, the first thing we've got to acknowledge is we're probably not going to be very good at it. And that's why the most famous verse after John 3.16 is Romans 3.23. And what does it say? Come on, you must know it. And fallen short of what? Yeah, and if the glory of God is his character and who he is, what do you think it means then? It means that we've all sinned and fallen short of the character of God and the attributes of God. We're not like him. We're not like him. So if you read that list that I read out about who Jesus was and the glory of God displayed in Jesus Christ, well, Jesus was loving. He was kind. He was slow to anger. He was full of mercy. And then you look at my characteristics. I won't do you because I don't want to embarrass you. But you look at my characteristics. I fall so far short of that and God's character. I'm quick to anger. I mean, I, you know, look, also I could, well, I could see some people wanting to shout out some things that I am as well. Yeah, I know how far I fall short of the glory of God. So the first thing that we have to acknowledge, that if we are called to glorify God, we actually fall short of glorifying him and his character. And that's our problem. We're created to glorify him, but we fall short of it. But the truth is and the joy is that we don't have to emulate it. We don't have to fake it. We don't have to mean it. He actually comes in and lives in us. And that's the joy of the glory of God, is that his character is meant to be in us and shine through us. 
our only job is to become more like him and less like us. And that's why 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 should also hopefully make a bit more sense now, where it says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. So this was a bunch of people thinking about the Lord's glory. I've been transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Just think about what's in that verse that backs up what we're talking about. That as we contemplate God's glory or his character and who he is, that we're being transformed into his image day by day, ever increasing glory, more and more like him. And then it finishes off with the truth of it, which says that we don't have to fight to do that. It comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It is God in us that is living in us. It's his character taking over our life. That is the call of the Christian life. We're called to glorify God. And if you want to know, what does it mean then? If the purpose of my life is to glorify God, what on earth does that mean? Well, it's there in that scripture. If the purpose of God is to, be, is to glorify him, well, the glory of God is his character. Well, to glorify him is to show more and more of his character every single day that you live. What a call on your life. That is what it means to glorify God. If you're called to it, and by the way, if you're not that interested, you're a bit tired and you want to go home, this is what you're called to do. This is the life of the Christian and the Christ follower. We're called to glorify God by becoming more and more like him, day by day, ever increasing glory. And I tell you what the scary thing about that is. It seems like it's a bit of an age thing. Because it seems, I don't know about you, but there's some days where I feel like I slip back. Does anyone else feel like that? That there's some days where I feel like I'm a worse Christian than the day before. So I don't know about the ever increasing glory. But there's something about it, and I think there is, that the, the longer that we're a Christian, the more we know God, that we should be coming more like him and glorifying him more. And the scary thing for some of us, and I'm not going to just lay it down to old age, because I have been a Christ follower most of my life. And that means that after 36, 35 years, I should be more Christ-like than I ever used to be. And I want you to contemplate that this morning and maybe just add up in your, in your mind right now and go, there's some of you that have been following Christ for decades. And you should be able to stand before a bunch of people that maybe are doing it for a year or two. And you should be more Christ-like than anyone else. You should be displaying the glory of God more than anyone else in this place because you've had decades in his presence. You've had decades being transformed by his spirit more and more into the character and attributes of God. And I read those things out, loving, kind, merciful, uh, full of uh, wisdom and truth. And it's a challenge to us all this morning. Are we truly glorifying God? Are we glorifying God more than we did a year ago or 10 years ago. And here's the other scripture that might make a bit more sense. And one day we'll be with him in glory. It's sad, isn't it, often in church that we lose friends and family members. And the phrase we say is that they're with him now in glory. And it's uh, Coloss um, Colossians 3 verse 4. Uh, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory does that make a bit more sense now well what that means is that we will first of all see God's glory fully 
Because right now we don't see the invisible God. We see a little bit of who he was through Jesus Christ and through God in one another and through creation. But there is a day coming, people, where we will see God fully for all of who he is, all of his attributes. There will be nothing held back. We will be in the presence of God and the glory of God will fully shine around us. But I also believe that what it means to one day be in glory with him is that it also means one day I fully will also have the character of God and I'll be fully like him. And I won't just be in part like him, but I'll be fully transformed into the glory of God and I'll be with him in glory. Not just seeing his glory, but I'll be with him, glorified too, fully like him, fully having the attributes and the character of God with him, fully living in me and none of this mess and all the rubbish that I live with and that I am. So to sum up that portion, we fall short of his glory but he lives in us and he's transforming us into his glory and one day we'll be fully with him in glory. And by the way, as we look through, why do you think he picks me and you? Why do you think he's picked the people in this room? Because if you look around, there's not many of us that are that special or important or clever. And it's one of the themes of scripture that he picks pretty ordinary people. I'll tell you why. Because ordinary people, weak people, display his glory better than the important people. Because when people look at us and go, wow, is there something good in you? It's pretty obvious that it ain't us. You might not be that happy with that, but when, when someone sees something in us, and that's why the phrase is, my boss uses it all the time, he says, all the glory, all the honor, all the praise goes to Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what he says about when you see anything good in us. And that should be the cry of our life. That when anyone says, wow, what you did there, that was amazing. There's something about you that we just go, can I just give all the glory? Can I just tell you that that's actually God in me? That's what it means to give God the glory. And it's Revelation 4.11. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. So how do we glorify God? Well, the first way, because this is just way number one, is that we demonstrate it by the Spirit of God living in us and transforming our character to be more like God's character day by day. The second way that we glorify God back is that we demonstrate it. So what is our job? Well, it's not just to live it, but it's to demonstrate and do it. And that's why it says in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So it's the way that we live our life also demonstrates who God is. And Matthew 5 verse 16 says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father who is in heaven so we're meant to do good things so that people will see it uh, and John Piper says this so the goal of my life should be to so live that when people know me well enough they would say God is glorious so it's not just that you serve, but it's the way you serve. It's not just that you participate in church, but it's the way you do it that people might see God in you. The third way that we glorify God back is that we tell it and we sing it. 
and I hope it gives some new meaning to the worship that we do this morning. Because a big part of worship is actually glorifying God. It's just saying it verbally and singing it and going, God, you are amazing. God, these are your attributes. God, this is who you are. We want to reflect it. We want to tell it. We want to tell everyone. We want to sing it to you. God is worthy of being glorified. But it's not just that we worship God to glorify him. It's also that we tell other people about who God is. That's how we glorify God. And it's to attribute rightly that God is the good in us. And then the fourth way that we can glorify God. And this, how can we tell people about who God is and the characteristics of God? And it, this is the final one. Well... And this is the final link back to Christmas. Well, at Christmas, we have a really special opportunity to glorify God and to tell the world about him. And I actually nicked this from R.T. Kendall, um, who was a, a preacher. So I'm just going to, I thought it was good, so I'm just going to use it and finish off with it. And he gave 10 ways that we can glorify God at Christmas. And I just think it's really uh, maybe something just useful for us as we enter into this Christmas season to think, how can we give God the glory at Christmas? How can we tell people about who God is and give him that glory? So let me just run down this list of 10 that R.T. Kendall came up. Some of them are a little bit sim similar, but um, I think it will just hopefully give a little bit of meaning to what we're about to embark on. And the first one he gave was this. It says, by giving it a time and place, by giving the birth of Jesus a date in history and a place on the map. So how does that glorify God? Well, let me tell you, God demonstrated his glory by his son being born on this earth because he loved us so much that he sent his one and only son. And yet what does the world do? Well, they stand out there and go, it didn't happen. No, he didn't. He wasn't born. He wasn't born there. He never lived. It was fake. It never happened. He wasn't born of a virgin. So the world out there exists to rob the glory of God. So we have an opportunity to stand here as a church this Christmas and go, no, he was born on a day. We, don't, we might not know the exact date. We don't know the date, but we do know the place. And it did happen. And it happened about 2,000 years ago. It was a date in history and it was a place on the map that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born on this earth to show the glory of God and to save the human race. The second way is this. When we remind people of the real reason for Christmas, it is a way of glorifying God and giving him back the glory that he deserves. So that's a way that you can glorify God this Christmas. When someone starts talking about it, it's an amazing opportunity to share the real reason for Christmas, which is Jesus. Another way to glorify God this Christmas is to take a non-Christian friend to church. That will glorify God because it will introduce someone to who God really is. Another way to glorify God this Christmas, number four, is to glorify him for the way that it was done. Praise God that when he came, he came to the shepherd and he came to the weak and he came to the ordinary and he was humble. Praise God for the way that he did it, that he comes to the least in society and give him glory for that. Number five and number six, they're fairly similar. When remember why he came, he came as saviour. He came to save the world. And number six is remember the cross. Remember why Jesus came. That'll give him glory. 
Remember why Jesus came. He was born to die. Number seven, how can we give glory to God this Christmas? Well, this is a bit of a one that you might not like. When we concentrate on the words of the carols. So you might not be a massive fan of Christmas carols, especially if you're a musician and you have to play them. But when you look at those words and you remember why Jesus really came, give him the glory. And there's some amazing words in some of those Christmas carols that would tell us. Here's another way that we can glorify God this Christmas. Number eight, when we remember the lonely. That glorifies God. When you use it as an opportunity to maybe speak to someone that isn't spoken to or invite them around for a meal or buy them a present when they'd never usually get a present. Number nine, which might be hard for some of us, not me, by the way, oh no, I didn't mean this, but be thankful for family and friends. I didn't mean that's hard for me, just to clarify my parents sat here, not in trouble. But be thankful this Christmas. Glorify God and be thankful for the family and friends that you do have. Because there's lots of us or people that might not have them with us anymore. But while you do have them, glorify God and be thankful for the people you do have. And finally, number 10. Remember God's true gift. It's a bit cheesy, but when you do get a gift, glorify God and say, God, thank you that you freely gave your son as a gift to the world to show us who you are and to save us. So I don't know if there's anything in that for you this morning. It's a complex subject, but I do know that Isaiah 43 verse 7 says that we are created for his glory and that 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 says that we're to do everything for his glory so it's worth us having a bit of an attempt to think about what the glory of God is how he demonstrates his glory and how we're called to live and glorify him back and what a special opportunity the Christmas season is as the the biggest reason and the biggest way that God showed his glory to this earth and it's an opportunity for us to glorify him back this Christmas so let's just pray and we'll invite the worship band up to finish Father God, we just want to, um, as a church, be a church that glorifies you, Lord God. We want to be a church that is like you, that becomes more like you and is transformed glory to glory, more and more like your character every day. And we also want to be a church, Lord God, that um, gives you all the honour, all the praise and all the glory that, that doesn't keep anything back for us, Lord God. But we say as a church, anything good in us. Anything good in this church is because of you, Lord God, because you came to earth and you saved us. And we thank you for who you are, Lord God, that you are a good, good God. You're a good, good Father. Amen. Do you want to stand? And it's in that name of Jesus that we go. And uh, confidently looking to him to be our strength and all that we need. Thank you, Lord God, for your grace. Thank you for your glory. Thank you we don't worship a God who is like us. You're far beyond, above and over everything we can even imagine. Lord, help us, we pray, to live out that character of Christ in the power of the Spirit. Help us, Lord, we pray, to witness for you this week. Help us, Lord, to go and think of people we can invite to our, these events, all of these events. Help us, we pray, Lord, always to seek to give you the honour and the glory in all that we do. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for being with us. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Well, bless you. Just stay for tea and coffee if you can as well.